friends and welcome back and happy new year 2022 happy new year we have been gone since before thanksgiving y'all it's just been a busy holiday time and mm -hmm. took some time out for our family and took a little hiatus but we are back brand new year brand new episode and this is between the shadows this is Kristen, and this is kara thank you guys so much for sticking with us and coming back for episode 23 holy moly i know <laughs> <laughs> so last last week when we talked or last time excuse me when we talked on november the 16th sorry y'all um we talked about josette's death and um it was a tragic time and um this episode we just want to leap right in um it's going to be a two-parter y'all we haven't done a two-parter since before barnabas <laughs> so we're gonna start talking about the witchcraft trial we see ben waiting by the mausoleum when barnabas walks up he's risen for the night mm -hmm. and he's visibly upset and ben asks him what's wrong and barnabas <laughs> is just josette she's dead she died hating me. She died hating me. And he explains to Ben that he didn't kill her, but rather she ran from him, mm -hmm. like, over the cliff. He says that... She fell, you guys. <laughs> and while they stand in the mausoleum now, Barnabas says he can just feel Angelique's presence with them now. Mm -hmm. And he says aloud to her that he will end her curse and mm -hmm. no one else he loves will die because of her. Mm -hmm. Barnabas then tells Ben that he's going to go to Collinwood now. And he's going to tell his father what's happened um, to him and will let him do whatever he wants at this point. Right, right. And he's like, I'd rather have a stake in my heart than be the way I am. Barnabas is just, he's so defeated after Josette dies. He's just, I mean, that that's like, for lack of a better term, he's just defeated. Mm -hmm. He's like, my, my reason for, you know living if I'm living here you know it is Josette and she's gone now and it was just it was so frustrating and heartbreaking and gut-wrenching because for a moment there it seemed like it was just it was gonna work it was they were gonna go away together it was gonna be happily ever after everybody gets a happy ending yeah. but Angelique of course had other plans and this next saga we're talking about she definitely had other plans yeah um, and we'll we'll definitely talk about this so, so we open the scene yeah after Josette has died and Barnabas has gone on his little lamenting tirade and Angelique your curse will be ended go back to your grave you know yeah so and then everything quiets back down and he leaves to go to Collinwood and tells Ben not to follow him mm -hmm. but then after he leaves you can still hear Angelique's laughter in the air yes and he he kind of gets stuck in the mausoleum for like half a second you know the doors are closing let me out let me out but yeah that that's when he shouts to Angelique, you know, go back to your grave. And finally her laughter stops, you know. So after all this, the, the first episode after Josette dies, it kind of, we're kind of looking at Millicent a little bit. Yeah. She, she's kind of not really gone crazy yet, but I definitely think this was the start of her mental Ill illness because of Nathan. Right. And so that's when we flashed to Collinwood and um, Joshua's in the drawing room and Naomi enters mm -hmm. and they're just kind of mourning over Josette right now and yes. says the Countess has cried herself to sleep mm -hmm. and Millicent enters shortly after. She says she's been in her room all day and Joshua tells her about Josette's death and just what she said here, I don't know, it just, again, it's that intuition of hers, that, mm -hmm. that, second, sight of that her. second sight and she's like, indeed. At least she died still loving Barnabas. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, 
I should like my last thoughts to be filled with love, not hate. Mm -hmm. I've often heard that death is less frightening than life. And here, Cousin Barnabas returned from England. Who knows what he would return as? Men change, and seldom for the better. Yeah, man, I saw that. I was like, boy, you have no idea yeah. how right you are. But I feel like she knows she's right. She knows she's not stupid. Yeah. She just, this second sight just kind of makes her a little mental. Yeah, like, I agree. Mentally unstable or whatever they want to. I agree. So after after her babbling about that and stuff and acting strange, she decides to go out for a walk mm -hmm. at night. Mm -hmm. Barnabas is in the graveyard talking, quote unquote, to Jeremiah, talking aloud to Jeremiah's grave, mm -hmm. just turmoiling over Josette. And then he hears a voice from behind him say his name, mm -hmm. and it's Millicent. She's found him. Right. And she says that she's happy to see that he's come back. Ben is also there, obviously close by. He's always close by, behind Barnabas. and. Mm -hmm. Um, he calls out to Millicent, and that gives Barnabas a quick chance to disappear. Right. And he does. And he does. <laughs> he does. And when she turns back, he's gone. And she tells Ben that she saw Barnabas and asks um, where he went. And Ben tries to convince her that she didn't see him at all and right. offers to walk her back home. And she tells Ben that she has come to the graveyard to choose her final resting place. Yes. Yes. And he thinking that weird, you know, like... Just trying to get her back home. Oh, right. Take it's like, back I don't home. understand you at all. But she's like, no. So she kind of leads him into the mausoleum, and she's like, and again, she, she's got a great way with words, I think. Mm -hmm. But she's like, today is the day I die, and this is the day I want to be remembered. No matter how long I may live, I died this day. Mm -hmm. And may Nathan Forbes know that I consider this the day of my death. Well, okay. Okay. I, I get that. Yeah. Because, you know, she's... She's been heartbroken, and mm -hmm. this is her way of expressing it, mm -hmm. I believe. No matter what day I die, this is the day. Like, everything changed for her on this day. Right. And I'm a different person. Like, so I, I get that for sure. And she asked Ben why he's um, trying so hard to convince her that she couldn't have seen Barnabas. Mm -hmm. um, she still doesn't know the truth about his death, so she's not buying that she saw a ghost or a spirit of Barnabas's. That's when I, we flash back to... Collinwood and Joshua's still in the drawing room sitting at the desk and he shows Naomi the deposition for Victoria's trial. Yes. And that it'll start the following day. Yes. Um, Naomi seems shocked that it'll start so soon. Um, he informs her that Abigail has been, quote unquote, been so kind <laughs> yeah, yeah. to represent the Collins family in the trial. Real freaking kind. Yeah. And Naomi offers to be a witness as well, but of course Joshua shoots that down. Like she almost demands. She's like, I want to be there. I want to be there to represent us too. And he's like, no. But right back at her, he basically orders her to not testify. Mm -hmm. I order you to not. Mm -hmm. And she pleads with him to let her testify, but to no avail. Right, right. And honestly, who... Abigail was the worst person <laughs> to represent them because she was so full of crap and so full of fanatic ideas. It was like, this is the person you want representing you? I don't, I don't get it. Wouldn't you rather go with your sane mind, Joshua, your sane mind, Naomi, and tell the truth instead of, you know, because they've all called, they've all called Abigail fanatic up to this point. She has some wild ideas, but this is the one they want to represent them at the trial. That just but I guess doesn't it, make sense to me. I guess in Joshua's eyes, I mean, the only thing I can really um, knock it down to here is that Joshua is all about family honor mm -hmm. and not effing up the Collins name. Yeah. Okay. And okay. even as, as fanatic and crazy as Abigail is, has she ever done anything to really shame the family name? Yeah, fair enough. Just let her have her way. Let her do her thing. She doesn't really harm any family business or shame the name. She just runs her name. mouth too dang She's much. just a crazy fanatic. So I think that's kind of what chalks it up to, I think, with Joshua. That's, that's all I can think of. Yeah. To I where guess. he would just be like, just let her have her way, whatever. 
Right. So, so I don't know. So this is where Millicent she runs she runs into the house and wants to know demands to know from Joshua and Naomi where is he where's Barnabas I gotta see him yeah and I just like, saw him yeah they're like what are you talking about mm-hmm. and <laughs> and they're like she he's gone and and he was like why would I lie he was by he was by Jeremiah's grave and she's she's kind of frantic at this point she's kind of stammering and stuttering and and yeah and then she says you're keeping Barnabas for me and, <laughs> yeah <laughs> and they're like why would anyone do that this is where this is why i don't know millicent is just a little flighty but again it could be you know this second sight and she she admits later on that she's a bit naive and she was thrust into adulthood so soon and she wasn't taught the ways of the world and i think i think part of that i think that this is part of that you know this is like a result from that yeah but well in her mind right now like she feels like barnabas is the only one who can defend her yeah in, in this whole Nathan Forbes situation. Right. Because in her mind, she wants Barnabas to duel with Nathan. Yes. Um, like he did with Jeremiah. Right. That's why she's just trying to... She wants her honor defended. Yeah. And that's that's this whole she, Yeah, thing. she's trying to defend her honor. And if Barnabas is not there, she's the only one who can. Right. She goes, my brother's too young. You know, yeah. my brother would do it, but he's too young. Yeah. And so they're like, but why, Millicent? He was, she was like, because Nathan's married. This is She didn't just come right out and tell Joshua and Naomi... After it happened, she mm-hmm. waited to tell them, and it was yeah. like they were they were astonished too. It was like, oh, you poor woman. And then she was like, please, no pity. She's like, I have enough for myself. I'm mm-hmm. like, Phew, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was one thing that I could have given Millicent. I was like, please, don't. I don't want any pity. I've, I've got enough. I've got enough for myself. Yeah, I have enough pity for myself. Well, and after hearing Millicent go on about Barnabas, that's when Joshua's ears kind of start to perk up Mm -hmm. and he's determined and must find out why what like what's going on right why where when did you see Barnabas well and we remember you know he's already curious because of the ring on Josette's finger right so his curiosity has already been piqued and his concerns been piqued and then Millicent sees that says that she's seen Barnabas and that Ben tried to convince her that she didn't and so he's like, aha, Ben, okay. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always Ben. <laughs> In Joshua's eyes anyway. So so that's really all we get for this scene at Collinwood for now. we, we Again, we kind of jump around here, but... Um, this episode, we're going to cover the witchcraft trial. That's that's what we're covering in this episode. So stick with us, guys. There's yeah. a lot of info to cover. So this is where we, this was kind of like end of an episode. Well, the next episode, it's all about Victoria Winter's witchcraft trial starting. Yeah. yeah. And Abigail and Trask, they're gung-ho. They're fired up. They're, they're ready to do this. And they want to start this trial without any prior knowledge to Victoria because they feel like that's when they're going to, you know, so that she doesn't have any time to go and tell her her master Satan. Right. So. <laughs> and that's also when Peter, he comes in before the trial's starting yes. and tells her that she is going to court like, today. Like, P.S., we're going now, right yeah. now, right, like this second. But he also takes that opportunity to fill her in about Josette because Vicky yes. didn't know that Josette had died. Yes. So he takes the moment to fill her in about that. And um, he reveals um, a letter from Joshua also stating that Naomi won't be attending mm-hmm. or testifying in the trial. Mm-hmm. And Vicky knows that she wouldn't go back on her word and that she had to have been ordered not to come because she trusts Naomi. Like, and she right. knows she w- she's not the kind of woman that would go back on her word and right. promise. And and that was kind of a devastating blow before this trial even started. It right. was like, okay, she so was Naomi's pretty not much coming. Key witness, pretty much. And, and, and Peter has no witnesses for Victoria at this point. There are none to defend this girl except for Peter. Yeah. And that's it. And Ben, which he's already said no. Yeah, Ben's already said no. And... 
I, I we'll get to this, of course, but I think Ben's hesitancy is fear of Joshua for sure. Absolutely. Because Joshua's been known to beat the crap out of him on more than one occasion. One wrong move and he's back in jail. Right. And also, I think it's fear because Angelique has already showed herself to him and, you know, what if he speaks out against her, you know? He knows her power and he's afraid of it. So I I think Ben's hesitancy is coming from a a few places. So the trial starts and Trask's he gives he gives Victoria an opportunity to uh-huh. one last time to denounce your master, and she's like, "Look, dude, I'm innocent. I'm not a freaking witch." Yeah. And <laughs> so his very first witness, of course, is Abigail Collins. Of course it is. And she just goes off on you know she just lets loose like word vomit. She like, gives out the whole story, all the and really. As accusations. She's telling yes. the story in accusations towards yes. Vicky. It's like, not a testimony. It's all accusations. And they're constantly reminded by the court and by the judges that, look, she is innocent until proven guilty. you got to change your way of talking here. Right. And stop talking at her like constantly. she's guilty. You know, like, we're trying to figure that out now. <laughs> Peter is constantly standing up. Objection. Objection. Yes. And almost all of them sustain, sustain. Constantly. Watch your mouth, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Like they go through how they try to blame Jeremiah's death on her. Mm-hmm. Goes over the day Vicky arrived and recognized Barnabas off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't recognize her. Mm-hmm. Um, the clothes she was wearing when she arrived, they were just absurd. <laughs> like, right. And um, when Joshua turned into a cat, she covered it all mm-hmm. um, with the court here. And um, <laughs> the devil's animal. Okay, again <laughs> again with the devil's animal. God made cats, Abigail, not the devil. <laughs> that part just, oh, it just, it frustrates me. Every time she says it, I'm like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I get that this was the 1700s, but the cat is not a devil's animal. It's not the devil's animal. <laughs> God made kitty cats. <laughs> and I think they're precious just going on the record. I think they're precious. I am a cat lady to the core. Thank you. <laughs> if that makes me a witch, then, well, here we are. <laughs> um, but that's what I, I liked. Because uh, Peter, to not be a lawyer, I guess just to be studying to be one, he did a really good job. He certainly had some good defenses. I absolutely agree. And that's when he, um, when she brought up the um, the whole um, exorcism of the old house, that's when Peter's like, look, how about Trask take the stand? Yeah. Because, because it, it was him doing it. Right. It's like, your opinion doesn't matter here. You weren't even there. Yeah. It was Trask doing it. So how about we take you off the stand for just a moment and put Trask there mm-hmm. and cross-examine him? As Trask is going back over that night and the words he spoke, they get to the part where Vicky had run out of the house um, in tandem with his chant. Yes. Then all hell breaks loose and everyone, Peter, Vicky, Trask, Abigail, they're all just yelling and yes, shouting at the shouting. same time. I-, I couldn't understand a single word anybody uh-huh. was saying at that point. And then it, it flips to commercial. But yeah. But and then the next scene, Natalie is yeah. called on. Natalie Dupre is called on. Yeah. And she she tells her account of her interaction with Vicky and Josette's death and her experience with the Collins family history and mm-hmm. how Vicky took the book and then vanished from her room at Collinwood and then she didn't lie. It's she just, didn't lie. She didn't take up for her either. But she did say the witch took it. You know, yeah. again with the accusations. Yeah. yeah. And and Peter, this is this is what leads Peter to confess that he let Vicky out of her cell yeah. to retrieve the book, yeah. and he couldn't let everyone think that she could be in two places at once because that would pretty much just nail the trial shut. Yeah. And Vicky, she utters this incriminating line 
line in order to soften this blow that's been made against Peter. She says, I've done enough without hurting anybody else. And Trask is like, an admission. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just, poor Vicky. I mean, her bleeding heart for this family. Yeah. It's caused her to act as she saw fit in warning them of the disasters to come. And it's all been thrown back in her face in the form of, you know, accusation of witchcraft. And mm-hmm. she just, she had to be feeling guilty right now because it seemed like all her good intentions have just have just made everything worse with this line that she threw out. Yeah. Witchcraft was thrown back at her and nothing she could say could convince anyone that she wasn't a witch. Yeah. And all this so-called evidence that they had against Vicky was just so circumstantial. I know. And, and Trask and Abigail, they just keep turning it into hard proof that Vicky is indeed a witch and the judges, they just seem to be eating it up. I know. And it's like, are you guys stupid? You can look at this girl and see that, you know, the witnesses and Trask, they're, they're just, they're treating this trials as, 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 as if Vicky's already been condemned as a witch. Right. And because typically, I guess back then, that's how it went. Oh, you're a witch, you're a witch. Right. We can prove it somehow. And I mean, unfortunately, this day in court was a win for Trask. Mm-hmm. It just was. Mm-hmm. And again, I have to wonder, what does Trask get from all this? What does Orville Trask get from all of this? Fame. <laughs> well, that's fame. And they've even said, other people in the show have said that even the characters Mm -hmm. to him it's like you're just looking for a pat on the back a title like some recognition you're a self-made whatever they call a self-styled minister yeah and a, and a, a charlatan. And where was this judge who wanted to defend Vicky? Wasn't it, why couldn't he be on the staff? You I, know, because is he the only judge who saw Trask as a charlatan? I'm just, I'm just. I, I know, I know. But, but at the end of the, you know, at the end of the day of the first, uh, at the end of the first day of the trial, naturally Peter and Vicky are feeling pretty defeated at this point. Right. And Vicky comments that she wishes Barnabas were still alive, and she remembers telling him that. She remembers him telling her that he knew for a fact that she wasn't a witch. And she also mentions Ben, who told Barnabas that he knew for a fact that she wasn't a witch either. Mm -hmm. So Peter runs off to find Ben. He's like, okay, we got to get Ben on the stand. We We got to get any witness we can. Yeah. he, He, so... He gets to Collinwood, and Millicent is the one who answers the door at Collinwood. Uh-huh. She seems to be, you know, in her daydream, you know, or a very deep thought, uh, looking at the other side, perhaps. Mm-hmm. She answers the door, and Peter has come to talk to Ben, of course. Mm-hmm. Ben's not there. He's at the cemetery digging a grave for Josette. Oh, yes. She asks Peter, if you see Barnabas there, can you have him come to Collinwood and see me? Mm-hmm. And it's most urgent, and that kind of takes Peter by shock a little. because he's he, like, Barnabas is dead. Barnabas is dead. And Mill- Millicent is, isn't set off by that this time when he says it out loud. You know, she usually gets set off. Barnabas isn't dead. Right. But she's not set off this time. She laughs in his face just maniacally like, yeah. like a crazy person almost. She's yeah. like, what a stupid thing to say. Yeah. And, and then she's like, how could anybody think you were dead, Barnabas? Looking at his portrait. Right. After that, there's another knock on the door right after Peter leaves. Yes. And it's Mayfin. <laughs> yeah, tries she, to slam the door in his face. She immediately tries to close the door in his face and demand that he leave at once. Yes, you're not welcome here. After pretty much no fight at all, she lets him in, though. Yeah, yeah. And she doesn't want to hear anything he has to say. Um, he tells her that he always has been and still is sincere in his love for her. Yeah. Says that he planned to tell her about Sookie once she had left town, once he had figured it out. Mm-hmm. He was like, if you wanted to give up all your money that I would love you all the same. Yeah, this was after she tells him that she, you know, again, being thrust into adulthood so early because her parents died, she was too naive to realize that her money would be a huge selling point right. for her as, fine, as, as far as finding a husband goes. Right. 
so and he was like well if you were just to render yourself penniless i'd love you all the more for it yeah and <laughs> now this is later on down the line and we'll definitely touch on it when the time comes but millicent did a very smart thing when she and nathan finally when she finally did cave into nathan and yeah she you know she surrendered all of her money her properties anything that made her a rich girl she handed it over to Daniel, and she was penniless. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that was, I mean, Millicent might be a blonde and flighty, but that was a really smart move on her part. And this is when she informs Nathan that she's decided that Cousin Barnabas will defend her honor and mm-hmm. challenge him in a duel. Mm-hmm. She tells him that she and Ben both have seen Barnabas. Um, she feels like the family's trying to keep her from seeing him. Mm-hmm. She feels like she is all there is to defend her honor, like I was saying before. Right, there's and, nobody to defend her honor. Right, and because of this, she picks up a little knife off the desk while like a, she's like talking a letter to Nathan opener. and um, tries to stab Nathan with it, yeah. shouting, I hate you, I hate you. <laughs> and, of course, he's stronger than her and stops her, and that's when Joshua walks in, yeah. and she just falls into his arms crying and mm-hmm. upset, and he takes her to her room and tells Nathan, you stay put. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. <laughs> and Joshua... Now you're in trouble. <laughs> basically. Now you're in trouble. And that's pretty much reason the riot act in the drawing room there and tells him if she would have succeeded, his loss would not have been missed by nope. a single member of the Collins nope. family. Thank you, Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Nathan's there. Try- he tries to explain to Joshua the whole situation and how he feels and this and that. And Joshua doesn't believe a word. And mm-hmm. he's almost convinced that Nathan killed Suki himself. Right. And right. tells him just that. Right, and you know, he said Suki and I were unhappy, and she came to Collinsport to 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 pursue divorce. Yeah, and whether or not this is true, I'm not sure we'll ever know. I mean, Suki and Nathan never did fully mention divorce. Yeah, the only thing we ever really heard is that Suki wanted the money that Nathan said he'd give her. And this was one point that I was glad that Joshua was a hard ass yeah. because he didn't cave into Nathan. He stood firm yeah. in the things that he was saying to him, even even said that Nathan had reason to do away with Suki. And mm-hmm. he was only after Millicent's money. And the only thing standing in his way was his wife. Yeah. And Nathan admitted to hating his wife, but he could never kill her. Right. And at the end of the day, Joshua just found Nathan full of crap and didn't believe a single, a single word that he said. So good on you, Joshua. Thank you. Yeah. And Nathan even tries to go in to um, explaining to him um, that when he was going to meet up with Suki, that she had already been attacked when he got to the old house that yes. night. It's like she was already dying when I got there. He's like, yeah, likely story your wife's not around to counteract what you're saying. Right, right. And he's and Joshua tells him it's still no excuse for how you treated and handled Millicent. Absolutely. It's still no excuse. And and this is one, one point in 1795 where I agreed with Joshua. Mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. Because he was absolutely right. At this point, he's telling him, he's like, you've violated this family's name. Yes. And you will be punished. Yes. And that's when he goes um, into telling him that he has every intention of contacting the Navy Mm -hmm. about Nathan's shenanigans. Mm -hmm. And that he's just not trustworthy and an honorable dude. I love that. Because he's like, reading in the riot act pretty much. He's like, I trust that they will be interested to avoid scandal as I am and will act accordingly. Mm -hmm. From this moment. You are not welcome in my home, on the property, or at the shipyards. If you are found anywhere on my property, you will be shot on sight. Goodbye, Lieutenant. Good day, sir. <laughs> I said good day. I said good day. I love it. I loved it. Thank you, Joshua. Oh, I love that scene. It was just so satisfying for me. I loved it. Yeah. So they flip over to Peter's finally made it to the graveyard. Yes. 
and he finds Ben, and he, he just straight up asks Ben if he thinks Vicky is a witch. Mm-hmm. And Ben this time says he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. He asks Ben to testify for her in court, and of course Ben's like, no, I can't, mm-hmm. I just can't. He questions Ben some more and tells him what has been said on the stand thus far. Mm-hmm. Ben tells Peter that it was not Vicky who told him to go to Abigail's room that night to steal that black ribbon. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter pleads with Ben to not let Vicky go down for this, but... Mm-hmm. Ben just can't do it. Right. And, again, I think that Ben is just, he's terrified of all the happenings around Collinwood. Yeah. Between what Angelique did to him and made him do and all of the death and then what's happened to Barnabas, Mm -hmm. I don't think Ben knew what to think or how to feel except just scared beyond imagination, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And when Joshua shows up and demands to know if Peter has coerced him, yeah, yeah. you know, Peter, yeah. Peter claps back and suggests that he's the one who's, who, who has coerced Ben and others, um, not to help Victoria and who in this town is going to say no to Joshua Collins of Collinsport. Uh-huh. Clink. Hey. <laughs> he's like, I think that your serving her has been sufficiently intimidated and coerced by you and yes. several other people. Yes. I was like, Ooh, he talks very well, like Peter. Oh, like I mean, wanting to be a lawyer. And I, I loved Peter. He was, ugh, I loved his character. He was such a stand-up guy. Didn't let anybody coerce him or Mm-mm. threaten him. He wasn't scared of nobody. Stood up for what he believed in. And in 1795, there were so few people who did this because of the Collins of Collinsport. Mm. Yeah. So I just, I, I don't know. I think Peter. I loved Peter's character. I loved. I loved how he was just, he was strong, he was firm, he stood up to the Collinses, he stood up to Trask, he stood up to everybody, he stood up for what he believed in, and mm-hmm. I just, thank you, well yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, Peter leaves, leaves the graveyard, because yeah. Joshua's like, I need to talk to Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they go into the mausoleum, and he tells Ben that he has heard reports that Barnabas has been seen. Mm-hmm. That he has seen Barnabas's body missing from his coffin and demands for Ben to tell him the truth. Mm-hmm. And Ben's still trying to play dumb, just trying to protect Barnabas. Yeah. And they open up the secret panel, Joshua wanting to prove to Ben that the body is not there. Right. He orders Ben to open it, and he does, and there Barnabas lays. Barnabas is fast asleep, which of course mystifies Joshua all the more. Right. And, you know, that was like the end of an episode, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And... The fall. Okay, the following episode opens up, and Ben once again is headed inside the secret room. Yeah, where Barnabas is waiting for him. Doesn't waste any time with pleasantries. Yeah, we remember that he still is, for lack of a better term, heartbroken yeah. over Josette's death, and he knows good and well that Ben is the one who's been ordered to dig her grave. Yeah, so he simply asks him, "Why have you stopped your work?" Yeah. Ben answers back while well, the sun's gone down. And, and Barnabas asks him if his work is determined by the rising and the setting of the sun. Now, I yeah. wonder, yeah. and this was a little bit funny for me, but I, I wonder if this was an indirect way of Barnabas telling Ben that he's bitter and that his particular way of life is determined by the rising and the setting of the sun right. and that Ben isn't necessarily bound to the sun and the moon. Just just a thought. Yeah. And Ben urges Barnabas, just don't come out. You don't want to see this. You don't want to see me doing this. And Barnabas, he flies off the handle and yeah. just gets really mad at Ben for for digging Josette's grave. Is that and another moment where his hands are around his yes. neck? Yes. He's like, how dare you? Josette's dead. How dare you dig her grave? Yeah. And I have to say it again. Barnabas right now is having emotions that are very human. Mm-hmm. He, he's he's devastated. He's, he's mournful. And I'd say downright angry that Josette is gone from him for eternity. At, at this point, there's no hope of him dying and then meeting up in paradise. Like, he'll never see her again. Yeah. In his cold, dead mind, he can't comprehend this and certainly can't accept it. Yeah. And, 
yes, he was acting like that of a vampire, but was he really, though? Yeah. I mean, as yeah. a man who had just lost, uh-huh. for all intents and purposes, his wife and the woman he loves more than life itself, she's gone from him, and she's not coming back, and he'll never be able to return to her and or her to him, you know? Right. Who on this planet that is very much alive and kicking would not have reacted the same way he did? It's just, it's very human. That's oh, all yeah. I'm saying. And he quickly snaps back, and he's calm again and tells Ben to finish his work because he knows even in his cold dead unbeating heart that there is no one else on this planet that he would rather have dig her grave than ben stokes right and ben takes that opportunity as well to let barnabas know that his father has been to his coffin yes just recently and seen it empty Mm -hmm. and um also they had just been there that night Mm -hmm. and he had seen barnabas back in the coffin well this was a way of talking barnabas off of a cliff yeah and literally <laughs> anything to get him to stay in for the night right because and, because after this barnabas tells ben that he wants the night to be dark because he has deeds to do and then begs the question why should anyone else live when she is dead like he wants everyone yeah he's just he, out for blood yeah he, he wants to leave everyone with the wish for sudden and speedy death i mean i know he's a vampire and all but Barnabas went really dark when mm-hmm. Josette died. I mean, he's just ready to have everyone die, and all he wants is destruction and blood and death. And this is this is what Ben did to, to talk him off this cliff. Yeah. With with risk to his own life, Ben's own life, because Barnabas doesn't want to be talked down. He doesn't want to listen until Ben tells him about his father finding his empty grave, his, right. his empty coffin, mm-hmm. but then tells him that he saw him again in his coffin, so he's... Joshua's kind of appeased for now. Right. Yeah. After that, we see um, they kind of flash over back to Collinwood, and Abigail and Trask are in the house um, discussing oh my gosh. their <laughs> next plan of attack for yes. the trial. If they could just get their hands on that family history book, they decide. Yes. Okay, again with these two. Neither of, <laughs> neither of them stop to realize how ridiculous they sound, and neither of them realize how very wrong and how blind they are to the real witch. Mm-hmm. And the first day in court was certainly proof of that. Yeah. And I, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to get a little PG here. These two should just go to bed already. They make an insane pair. <laughs> <laughs> they decide together that Trask needs to have a talk with Peter. With that young upstart Peter Bradford. <laughs> yeah. Sounded like a do what you gotta do, like threaten him if you have to. Yes. And and basically. remind him remind him of how prominent the Collins family is and he could certainly do with their help and not oppose them. And I'm like, come on, Abigail. That yeah. was dirty even for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that's when Trask leaves, basically, and um, that's when Ben comes in, and Abigail gets her chance to berate him, berate too. him. Thank you. So while that's going on, we see Peter. Um, he's at the jail studying the family history book yes. that they have. Just can't understand and grasp the whole idea of it all. Mm-hmm. And while he's doing that, that's when Trask's or, Trask arrives. Yes. Knocking very persistently like the cops. <laughs> yes. Like, Mr. Bradford. Mm-hmm. Mr. Bradford. Mm-hmm. So Peter quickly hides the book and answers the door. Um, and he's very short and not friendly at all. And just oh. asked him to get to his point and get the heck out. <laughs> <laughs> it, gives, it gave me such satisfaction to watch Peter not give in to him when he mentions absolutely even when Trask mentions how poor his conditions are well you got meager fare here to eat I have enough to eat look at your clothes even a scarecrow be ashamed I'm fine right trying to shame me into but he he was like he did water off of a duck's back with Mm -hmm. Peter and I loved it so much and he he actually turned it around on Trask too and tells him how despicable he is for punishing innocent women this is insolence you know just just get out just get out of my house yeah well Trask doesn't like it but it doesn't matter to Peter because he just you know he kicks him right out Mm -hmm. I love it I love it so Mm -hmm. much 
And after he leaves, after Trask leaves, Peter pulls back out the book and he almost burns it. Yeah. Just get it out of my possession. It, yeah. That way it might nobody, be for the better. Yeah, you know? nobody will ever find it. And it's it's brought it's brought nothing but destruction anyway, you know? Yeah. And and that's been proof because Vicky is sitting in a cell getting ready to be condemned for witchcraft mm-hmm. because she was trying to help and it's not helped at all. It's made things worse. Right. You know? And that's when he decides to wrap it up. Um, he just wraps it up in a cloth, and he takes it to the cemetery to bury it. Mm. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And Barnabas happens to be rising and exiting the secret room at that time. Mm-hmm. He hears who he thinks has been outside digging. Mm-hmm. He thinks it's Ben. Yes. And he calls out, Ben, is that you? Mm-hmm. Peter hears him and calls back and heads for the mausoleum. He's, He's like, like who there? is that? Who is it? And so Bar- Barnabas is like, oh, shit. So <laughs> <laughs> he like, literally, like runs back into the mausoleum. And into the secret room and gets the door closed just in time for Peter to walk yes. into the mausoleum. Yes. And he's looking around, feeling around, because he saw that door just close like that. Yes. And um, that's when Ben comes in to, and what are you doing here? Yeah, pretty much kicks Peter out of the graveyard. Uh-huh. It's like, you better get out of here, Mr. Josh. If Mr. Joshua sees you here, you know. Yeah. And he even tells Ben, he's like, I swear I saw a door inside the mausoleum just close shut. He's like, you didn't see nothing. Get out of here. <laughs> like, so, Ben's not having any of it. Just get out. <laughs> yeah. So after he leaves, Barnabas comes out, and he wants to go after Peter because he is sure he saw something that he shouldn't have. Yeah. But Ben convinces him, again, thank God, yes. that he saw nothing. And so I look, this down. boy is, is Victoria's only hope. That yeah. Her only hope. He's the only one defending her right now. Right. And there's a part um, at the beginning of one episode um, where we see Natalie and Abigail at Josette's grave. Mm-hmm. And Natalie's just weeping and crying. And I guess Abigail is there for support. And honestly, this is probably the, I swear, maybe the only time we see Abigail kind of acting actually genuine yeah and trying like to comfort the, only the countess kind here. moment we see from abigail yeah and she's saying nice things to the countess just trying to comfort her mm-hmm. i swear that's the only time we see that i think it is too i mean uh, up until now abigail's just been a, a fanatic and <laughs> yeah but and i agree we see barnabas watching from the shadows inside the mausoleum mm-hmm. at the grave them at the grave and we hear his audible thinking and he's got himself almost convinced that there is a way to bring josette back yes and that he, at the very least, must try. Yes. And Abigail is trying not to get the Countess. She's trying to get the Countess to come back with her to the house, mm-hmm. trying to get her away from the grave. And mm-hmm. they're the last ones left, and you can hear a storm coming. Mm-hmm. And Natalie asks for one more moment alone with Josette before they leave, so Abigail waits for her at the carriage. Mm-hmm. And that's Ben kind of wanders by um, while Natalie's still there, saying her last goodbyes. And Ben just kind of says, he's like, you know, Josette chose to die the way she did. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's what she wanted. But he was right. Mm-hmm. And and Josette even said it before she died to Victoria. She's like, well, maybe I'll choose to die that way. Yeah. You know, and she did. Yeah. So. And then Ben walks Natalie back to the carriage kind of after that comment. And um, he goes back inside the mausoleum after to tell Barnabas that everything is done and over. Mm-hmm. And he's, I refuse to believe she's gone forever. Mm. Um, if I have the power to call her back from the dead, I will. He said he will call upon all the powers of darkness to bring her back like it did for Jeremiah. This part, this part kind of gave me the creeps just a little bit. And Ben tries to tell him that she chose to die this way. And um, she did that because she didn't want to be what he was. Mm-hmm. And just to let her rest in peace. And at this point, Barnabas threatens to kill Ben if he tries saying another word about it. Mm-hmm. He's just still in that rage. Mm-hmm. And so Ben leaves to do what he's commanded to do. And Barnabas has his moment at Josette's graveside himself. 
Mm -hmm. and he starts to call to her and like you start to hear this weeping he's reached her mm -hmm. Barnabas is like he's found these newfound powers as a vampire and he comes up with this wild hair idea that he can use these newfound powers to call Josette back from her grave mm -hmm. and he does just this and the results are just a little bit horrifying oh yeah <laughs> he I mean he's successful much to Josette's dismay and objections he's successful he brings her back she says she will not return um, just don't disturb my wrist mm -hmm. And so we're back at Collinwood and Abigail and Natalie are in the drawing room and the window blows open with the wind and Natalie claims she could hear Josette's cries in the wind. And Natalie just feels that something is wrong after hearing Josette's voice and crying. She insists that she go back to the grave to see what's wrong. Mm -hmm. And of course, Abigail tries to reason with her not to go. And Barnabas is in Josette's room. He's still calling to her mm -hmm. and um, trying to will her back. And as he does this, we see her grave start to shift. Mm -hmm. And then we get a glimpse of a figure moving through the graveyard and to the old house. Mm -hmm. The figure moves up the stairs and into Josette's room, and it's her. Yeah. We, that's when we see Josette. Yeah. She said something to him in the room that just... She's like, I do not feel love or hate. I feel nothing now. There's no longer anything to forgive. I'm only back because you willed me back. That will not happen again. You will let me rest. She comes in and she's, you know, she's, her veil is just covering her face. She's in this very white dress, just mm -hmm. looking pale as crap, you know. Mm -hmm. And she's like, she just urges him, please just let me rest. You don't want to do this. Yeah. Please don't force me to show you what I've become in death. And he's like, no, Josette, we have to be together. I love you. And she's like, okay, you know what? And she pulls it up and her face, she's just hideously deformed yeah. in death. Like one of her eyes is hanging out, you know, yeah. and. And that's enough for Barnabas, and he lets her return to her grave. Yeah. But afterwards, he decides that he's going to move his coffin to the basement of the old house mm -hmm. because he feels close to Josette. And he's like, look, if I got to be in solitary confinement, I'd rather be here where I feel close to her. We were happy here. Yeah. And he's gone from being angry and full of rage to just depressed and full of grief. And yeah. Ben begs him, please just go back to the mausoleum. He's like, do you want to get caught? And Barnabas, being the stubborn fool that he is, <laughs> chooses to stay. And, and, and Ben's like, fine, begrudgingly agrees to guard him there in the old house. From this, from here, we move on and we see Daniel Collins. We haven't gotten much from Daniel Collins no, no. since 1795 opened up. And it was kind of cool to see Daniel Collins in his in his childhood and he's very much he's he he, re, he reminds me of a more refined version of david collins mm -hmm. you know but you know he's his sister's rich which means he's rich too and and he's he's kind of just a more refined version of david i think but yeah. he's he's hiding from abigail and rightfully so <laughs> and abigail is is hunting daniel down and i'm sure it's just because she wants to question him about victoria because she was their governess and right and daniel ducks into the old house and sees ben there you know, and <laughs> Ben tries to get him to go home and tells him that he shouldn't be hanging out at the old house. And this whole scene reminds me of Willie Loomis chasing David off totally, of the old house. Totally. <laughs> and it just made me laugh a little bit. And Ben says some of the same things to Daniel as Willie said to David. <laughs> like, and he's so nice to the kid. Yeah. And he's like, he even like goes, he's like, well, you're going to run away. Do you have anything to eat? Yeah. Do you have any money? You got Do you know where you're going? Yes. He's like, you can't run away. How about you go back home? And think about it some more. So smart. <laughs> like, like he's kind of feeding into it, but it's really just to get Daniel back home. Right, right. Like, and he's very nice about it. But very I kind easy of think that Ben would have helped him. Oh, yeah. You know, if you want to run away, old Ben will help you. you know? I get it. These Collins are crap. It's again, like <laughs> again, Ben's not a criminal. Why would he help this boy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
I'm gonna keep saying it till the end of this run. Just yeah. lace them up. So after you know Ben gets Daniel to go back home mm -hmm. at Collinwood later, Daniel we see him trying to sneak back out. He's putting his coat on. That's like the yes. next scene. Yes. He gets back home, then he's sneaking back out. <laughs> um, he has his list with him that Ben told him to told make him to write. Of what yes. he needs. Abigail catches him sneaking out the door and asks what he's doing, and grabs his list from him. And she brings him into the drawing room and questions him about Vicky's charm bracelet. And she asks if um, Vicky ever asked him to get down on his knees and worship the devil. <laughs> like, because, you know, he, she's explaining this bracelet to him. Like, yes. the signs of the Zodiac and all that. Yes. I like how Daniel claps back with sarca um, sarcastic answers, like, so nonchalantly. Yes. Like, he's... Like, He's got an attitude for a kid his yes. age, but he's so like mature with the way he talks. Which is a very different switch from David Collins, uh -huh. you know, because David Collins was just like knee-jerk comments to hurt whoever was, yeah. you know. Daniel's very intelligent compared to David's answers. He, he is, and I and I kind of love it. <laughs> but he's like, she's like, I hope you're not lying because lying makes you a child of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Abigail. He tells her about how Vicky told him about airplanes and flying through the air and <laughs> machines and radios and he admits he didn't understand any of that he admits that do you want to fly too <laughs> <laughs> like, when the lord sees fit to make me an angel then i'll fly uh -huh. sweetheart you're not going to be an angel <laughs> uh -uh. Mm -mm. and so she gets to the point and tells daniel that she wants him to come to miss winter's trial mm -hmm. and tell the judges exactly what he told her just now mm -hmm. and um Daniel tells her that even if all these things are true, he and Sarah liked Miss Winters. Yeah. And that um, they liked hearing her stories and that she, more than anyone in the house, paid attention to them. Yeah, she was nice to us cared, and let us play. Cared about them. I mean, this leads him to tell, you know, she, she doesn't just chase us around like you, you know, like, like you do. And, you know, telling me that I can't play at the old house like Ben Stokes does. And she oh, was yeah. like, oh, uh, what? <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. And, you know, she asked, what, what was Ben doing there in the first place? And, and Daniel's like, well, he was locking the cellar door. Uh -huh. And she's like, okay, Daniel, you know, go to your room. And then she decides to <laughs> go to the old house and see what Ben's really up to. You oh, know? Yeah. Because she's convinced, you know, that Ben is still under the power of the witch. Uh -huh. And what has Ben hiding there? Ben's hiding something there. And she's like, maybe he's even hiding the book. You know, they've been looking for this book, you know. Mm -hmm. And so she finds him, questions him, and eventually tells him to go home. And she'll lock up there when she's done and, mm -hmm. and you know, tries to he tries to tell her look the place is haunted let me go in with you and she's like you think i must have a short memory with that ribbon that you stole i'm like let it go abigail she's like nonsense the reverend trask himself exercised this house yeah it's not haunted <laughs> you know ben does everything and says everything he possibly can to stop her from going in there mm -hmm. but to no avail he goes back to the big house and as he leaves as she enters yeah and and he was like well you know if, if anything happens she's like it'll be my responsibility if anything happens to me was, and you know after she's out of earshot you know you're right it is your responsibility maybe you'll get what you deserve <laughs> yes <laughs> totally though and of course abigail's um she goes straight for the cellar door because yes. that's what daniel had told yes. her and thinking ben has hidden um something of the witches down there maybe the book yes and she unlocks it and heads down the stairs and she finds the coffin There's just sitting there. coffin. <laughs> <laughs> and she decides, I'll wait for Tress before I do anything. I'll wait for the Reverend. All and the faith that she has put in this man and he, yeah. he ain't nothing. Yeah. He's, he's such a phony and he's such a fake. So she starts to head upstairs. Um, and the coffin starts creaking open. <laughs> yes. She's terrified, of course, and then even more when she realizes it's Barnabas. Yes, and she stands there just mouth agape uh, and, and not saying a word, not even screaming. Speechless. Yes. 
And it's not until he says something to her that she just starts shrieking. <laughs> like, literally, I am surprised she didn't die of fright just seeing Barnabas. Yes. Like, at that moment. I'm surprised she didn't just die of fright. It reminds me, okay, it reminds me of the... This is completely unrelated, but it just kind of what it reminds me of. Um, the movie in the movie Casper, when oh, yeah. you know when she's had all of her friends over for the Halloween party, you know, and they're all having a great time. And Casper, show, you know, he's a little boy, but then he turns back into a ghost, <laughs> and everybody's just kind of like, you know, and they're not saying a word, and they're all just staring at him. And then he turns around real, real soft, like, and goes boo, and then they all just start mm-hmm. shrieking. This is what this scene reminds me of. A very delayed of. shriek. <laughs> like, and and it's not until he says, "Abigail, what are you doing here?" That's mm-hmm. when she starts screaming. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes. So he makes Abigail pretty much look at what he has become. Yes. Like, look at me, Abigail. Look what I've become. Because of the witch. That's yes. what he said. Look at what I've become because of the witch. And she's like, you've been protecting her. And he was like, without even knowing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He bears his fangs, and she looks away terrified and just goes limp. Yes. Like, <laughs> literally. So Barnabas did not kill her. Like, he didn't no, kill her. he didn't she, touch her. She died. Not really. She died of a heart attack, you know? Yeah. And, and she keeps going. She was like, you're just an apparition from the witch, and <laughs> you're just a, 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 a vision of the devil, and the devil just wants to tempt <laughs> me. He was like, why is it the devil always wants to touch you? Right. <laughs> I'm like, yes, Barnabas, yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> So yeah, so so Abigail just dies. She friggin' dies. She dies of fright. She, a heart attack. Dies yes. of fright. And and whether it was Barnabas's, you know, fault or not, he didn't lay a finger on her Mm-mm. to kill her. All he did was bared his fangs and uh Abigail couldn't handle it. No. <laughs> it was too much evil for Abigail, you know. <laughs> like you thought you knew everything about death. Well look how wrong you were. I'm dead and here I am, you know. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And honestly, I think at this point. I think he had intended to kill Abigail. Yeah. Honestly, I think that he had already decided that he was going to kill her. He knew the kind of lies she was telling. And at the witchcraft trial, even if she even if she believed it, it was all truth, she knew he knew that she was Victoria's downfall in this trial. Mm-hmm. And so I think he, he tormented her and showed her how wrong she was about her ideas about death. He told her that he warned her once and it didn't pay to know every secret. Mm-hmm. He makes her touch his hand and show her how, show her how real he is and she believes that this is a vision from the witch and he tells her who the real witch is and she just she still refuses to believe it and he also tells her that he'll protect his father from knowing what he is and you know in the end all he did was had to do was bare his fangs and that was it she died from heart failure so that's where we are friends that is the the first half of this whole witchcraft trial thing and then uh, next time we meet, we'll be uh, finishing up the witchcraft trial. For those of us who already know, again, 50-year-old spoilers, we, we know that this is going to end in a witchcraft charge. Yeah. We know that. She's going to be found guilty. Yeah. But we're going to finish that up next time we meet, guys. Um, we just want to say thank you so much for hanging in there with us, coming back for episode 23 here. It's really exciting. And um, we're just about done with 1795 here, guys. Yeah. And we'll be going back to the present really soon. So before we go tonight, guys, I just want to mention that on January the 8th, we are going to be visiting with Jewel from Resident of Collinwood. We're going to be discussing Dark Shadows villains. It's going to be super exciting, so mark it on your calendars. Um, But until next time, remember to keep it between us and the shadows, guys. Have a good night. Good night. A seance has been held in the Great House at Collinwood. A seance which has suspended time and space 
and sent one woman on an uncertain and frightening journey into the past, back to the year 1795. Fear of the unknown has turned others against her and placed her very existence in peril and forces of evil which have surrounded her fate now threaten a deadly end to her journey. You've been listening to Between the Shadows, a Dark Shadows podcast. All original Dark Shadows music, video clips, images, and media are the sole property of Dan Curtis Productions and is only used to promote Dark Shadows and should not be distributed, copied, or reproduced.